Okay. I'm glad to be with you guys this morning. I have the opportunity to, to share some of my thoughts with you. Um, you know, our theme for the past year, the winding up, is discipleship. And discipleship is being a disciple and helping others to become disciples. So it's a twofold kind of a thing. And I know when we're out there at the various meetups and whatever private studies you might have with people, you're coming across all kinds of different personalities, I would suspect. Uh, everybody's not the same, and everybody doesn't learn the same, everybody doesn't respond the same way. And it's the same thing with us. I know when I was first, well, not really introduced to the church, but when I first really began to kind of understand what the church was all about, what God was all about, what my responsibilities were all about. Um, I had to learn from somewhere. Now, like some of you guys <clears throat> grew up in uh, really strong Christian homes, and you had your parents to teach you. They were your, your mentors. They were the people that you observed, that you learned from, until you were able to go out and kind of learn things on your own. Other people come from different denominations, different Christian religious backgrounds. And that's where you started to learn and started to understand about the Bible. Maybe some of you just kind of learned on your own. You're kind of autodidactic. Kind of read the Bible for yourself. Did the best you could. But you're always looking for I think mentors, I think we need kind of mentors and people to look up to, people to help edify us. People maybe that are like us in a way and sometimes really not like us. Now, as I developed as a Christian, I came across a couple of different personality types that uh, sometimes helped me in my path to understand God more fully and sometimes they kind of messed me up and set me back a little bit. Okay, sometimes that might have been their fault, sometimes that might have been my fault. Okay, so what I'm going to talk about here before we first start off, uh, these kind of personality types that I've observed, they're generalizations. And sometimes they will crisscross each other. But it's just some of the, the things that I've seen uh, in my walk, people that I've observed have helped me uh, in different ways. And actually, people that you're going to see out in the world when you study with, with uh, different individuals might react this way. First personality type is the intellectual. This person might be a, a college professor, might be a researcher of some sort. Uh, the person is always trying to connect the dots, okay? Uh, a highly developed intellect uh, easily can retain information, okay? Um, 
that's not one of my fortes. I have to go over things over and over and over again. Even things that I enjoy, if things that, that I, I find that I don't enjoy, that's even harder. But things that I even I, and I enjoy, sometimes I have to, to, to go over and over it, okay? I'm not a great rope learner. Uh, but once I retain it, I do remember it, okay? But usually the intellectuals, got a highly developed intellect, easily retains information, kind of academic, and might view the Bible the same way they might view a, a textbook, you know, a science book or a history book. They might approach it the same way. Um, this kind of person, in the end, might uh, be the kind of person that might write um, commentaries biblical commentaries that we all use. Um, but on the flip side of that, that person might be so highly attuned intellectually uh, and might delve into the scriptures so intellectually and so finely that they might reject God. Might turn to atheism. A lot of atheists are highly intellectual, and sometimes they overthink things. Okay. Another personality type that you might run into, or have you seen, or might have helped you, or maybe confused you a little bit, might be the mystic. Now, the mystic is beyond intellectualism. He's looking for the perfect world something uh, transcendent. Um, you've heard of uh, New Age-ism. Uh, a lot of people might gravitate towards that. You're looking for something uh, supernatural to happen in their lives. This is a person you could have been studying with and they're going right along with you and understanding, oh yeah, I understand this what you're teaching me, and I understand what I'm, you know, I'm supposed to do, I, I, I get it. And then, uh, when they become a Christian, they're waiting for that kind of supernatural event to happen. And when it doesn't, they're kind of disappointed and lose interest. Um, Looking for something like maybe Jesus walking on water. I remember Elijah when God took him up. Something like that. Something supernatural to happen to them. Uh, third personality type is the dogmatic fundamentalist. Um, so what's dogmatic mean? It's inclined to lay down principles of incovertibly true. Uh, authoritarian, inflexible, and what's fundamentalism? Strict interpretation of scripture or religion. Kind of like the Pharisees that we read about in the New Testament there. Um, sometimes uh, this, this description of a person is, is used pejoratively with contempt, you know kind of turns people off sometimes, but 
one person's fundamentalist is, might be another person's truth teller. It doesn't mean that because they have that type of personality, everything they're saying is, is wrong. Okay, sometimes you have to, you know, kind of push through the scowl. This is the type of person when I was when I was coming up in the church. It was they would tell me, well, the Bible says what it says, or the Scripture says what it says. Well, why don't you? Why can't you get that? And sometimes you can't get it right off. Sometimes it takes time. You can't. You know, you don't get it right. Okay. So this person can be very knowledgeable. They can help you along your journey. Sometimes they can turn you off. Okay, and mess you up faithfully. And when you're out there studying with, with people, that personality can crop up too. They're kind of fundamentalist and dogmatic, and they don't really want to hear what you're trying to tell them. They want to argue with you, basically. Okay, because they're right and you're not. Then there's a seeker. And, and really, I think this is, like I said, these personality types kind of overlap, but I think if you're a seeker, you're on the right path, okay? I think you're on the right path. Seeker is the person attempting to find or obtain something. And when I think of that, I think about the person, you know, the, the story, the parable in the scriptures of uh, the person looking for the precious jewel, okay? Um, an overwhelming desire to understand, okay? A tenacious seeker of truth. They're curious. They ask questions, and they question answers. A spiritual seeker, someone who uh, is trying to understand who God is and what he wants for us. They want to understand what our relationship with him should be and what it can be. I'm not saying that, that someone who has a, the personality of a seeker is doing everything right. So I think if you look at uh, Ephesians 4.14, Paul describes a, a seeker who is kind of distracted. I think a little bit of and he says, we must no longer be children tossed to and fro, blown about by every wind of doctrine, by people's trickery, their craftiness, and in deceitful scheming. Um, sometimes when you're trying to find answers, and you have someone over here that sounds, well, they sound reasonable. They sound like they know what they're talking about. And this person over here sounds like they know what they're talking. You have to like filter that stuff out sometimes, and kind of uh, use your own logic, your own intellect to come to what the truth is, okay? And not be tossed to and fro by what different people see. In Philippians two twelve, I'm going to turn there real quick. Here, Paul encourages focused seeking. Therefore, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed me, not only in my presence, but much more now in my absence, 
work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. I think that's an attribute of a focused seeker, someone working out their own salvation with fear and trembling. That means you're serious about it. Okay. So we want to be seekers. And when I was starting to learn about Christianity, I think one of the big stumbling blocks for me was how do I go about doing this? Because the Bible is a, it's big. I mean, you start off in Genesis in the beginning and the last verse of Revelation and it took me a while to put all the stuff together, the prophets, the minor prophets, and the major prophets, and the poetry, and the history, and then you had the New Testament. That was a little bit easier to break down. And you had the Gospel, and you had an Acts, uh, the formation of the church, and then you had Paul's epistles and some of the other uh, writers of epistles, you know, uh, kind of encouraging and teaching the church group, how to go about uh, doing things. But still, it was, you know, I didn't, I didn't really know where to start. And, and, and uh, for me, I was told to read your Bible. Okay, that's basically what I was told. So wh wh where and how do I start? And that's why I talked about some of those personality traits. You look at people in the congregation, you know, that are knowledgeable, you know, on different levels. And you try to try to learn and understand from them. But really when it comes down to it, you're trying to work out your own, you know, thing there. You're trying to you have to do it yourself. You're trying to work out your own understanding, uh, with reverence towards God. So how do you do that? That's what I want to talk about this morning. Um, and I know that some of the things that I'm going to say have been said before. Um, it, it's kind of like I was reading uh, in a magazine one time about uh, Paul McCartney. He was one of the Beatles. And he wrote the song yesterday. Okay, and He was talking about how he wrote the song. He said he it came to him, not so much in a dream, but he woke up and, and, and the melody was in his head. And he said it came together so quickly that he thought, well, I must have heard it someplace else. I mean, somebody else, I must have heard it and channeled it from someplace else. I, I couldn't have come up with this, you know, by myself, just waking up thinking about it. And that's, you know, when I was putting this together, I was thinking, yeah, I heard this someplace else. So, <laughs> but what I want to talk about really is how uh, we can uh, kind of understand it, get closer to God, really. So, the key to anyone's search in understanding God is to spend time with Him. Okay, you're not going to understand God. Jesus or the Bible if you don't spend time with him and with it. And I would suggest that 
you spend, I mean, it's good that we're here in church service this morning. We're helping each other, we're seeing, we're edifying, okay? But we need to spend time one-on-one -on -one with God by ourselves. We call it quiet time, whatever you want to call it, but quietly and privately. Um, there's examples in the scripture. The first example was when in Genesis, and, and I have a bunch of verses here, but they're kind of short. They're, none of them are really long, so if you just want to listen while I read them, you can. I'm just going to be reading a lot of verses to kind of embellish what I'm trying to say. Um, Isaac, uh, meditating in the field at evening, that's in Genesis 24, 63. It says, and Isaac went out to meditate in the field toward evening, and he lifted up his eyes and saw, and behold, there were camels coming. David petitioned and praised God in prayer three times daily. That's referenced in Psalm 55, 17. In the evening and morning and at noon, I utter my complaint and moan, and he hears my voice. He prayed to God, petitioned to God three times daily. Also says in Psalm 63, 6, that David meditated on his bed at night. When I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. We just got through studying Daniel this past year. Daniel played, prayed three times daily as well. It was his habit to pray. To get alone by himself and commune with God. Okay. What about Jesus? Jesus pursued alone time. Sometimes early in the morning he got away to be by himself. And sometimes late at night. Um, in Mark, the first chapter, verse 35. And rising up early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place where he prayed. And in Luke 6, 12. In these days he went out to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. This is Jesus getting alone with God without any kind of distractions. Okay. Jesus in Matthew 6, 6 also taught his disciples to pray in secret. Um, go into your closet. Close the door. Okay. Everything about doing God's will and getting closer to God is not about standing on the corner and screaming to the masses. I'm, I'm not knocking that if you want to do it. But I'm saying, God talks about being alone with Him and getting yourself together because you can't help someone else if you don't have your own thing together. We all want to help people and, and, and disciple and do what the Bible says. But you have to prepare yourself to be able to do Okay. And that's private devotional time, really, is what I'm getting at. And it's important for several reasons. Drawing near to God, which is what I just got through talking about. Um, God is found by seekers. Okay? If you're going to look, if 
you're seriously looking, God can be found. Okay. Um, in First Chronicles chapter 28, verse 9, this is David giving advice to Solomon. And you, Solomon, my son, know the God of your father and serve him with a whole heart and with a willing mind. For the Lord searches all hearts and understands every plan and thought. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will cast you off forever. And in Second Chronicles chapter 15 and verse 2, this is Azariah to Asa. And he went out to meet Asa and said to him, Hear me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you while you are with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. So, God is found by those who seek him. Be a seeker. Okay. Conversely, God draws close to those who draw close to him. If you seek him, if you're trying to draw close to him, he's going to draw close to you. Um, from James chapter 4 verse 8. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. So we want private devotional time because we want to draw, ultimately want to draw nearer to God. But we also need spiritual nourishment. Okay? We can't live on physical nourishment alone. Yeah. We need food, we need sustenance, we need water, we need physical sustenance to grow and to thrive. But if we deprive ourselves of that, we're probably going to get sick. Okay? But that's the physical body. We need spiritual food. Because if we just deprive ourselves of that, we're going to get sick as well. Um, in Matthew 4, 4, but he answered, It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. We need spiritual sustenance. And spiritual growth is a byproduct of God's word. Okay. Um, in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23, since you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. So we've been born again, not of imperishable seed, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable seed. Okay? Newborn babes. And in 1 Peter uh, chapter 2, verse 2, like newborn infants who long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may go up into salvation. So we need that spiritual uh, nourishment to facilitate our growth. where we gain our strength. And Josh uh, earlier read uh, Psalms 119, uh, 7 through 11. 
Um, I praise you with an upright heart when I learn of your righteous rules. I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. How can, you keep, how can a young man keep his way pure by guarding it according to your word? With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. We need the milk, the food in the scriptures for our spiritual growth. In Ephesians uh, chapter 6, verses 10 through 17, here the writer speaks metaphorically concerning the protection that God provides us. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over his present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand evil every day, having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all flames and darts of the evil one, and take on the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Basically, God is there. His word protects us. It gives us strength. It gives us provision. Um, and here he's talking metaphorically. I think we all understand that. I think sometimes people kind of take that out of context and, and drum up a lot of nonsense. But we know what he's talking about here. So, why do we need private time with God? Again, for peace and stability another reason okay prayer is the antidote to a world filled with anxiety and angst okay um, there's a lot of things going out there today um, I know that uh, a church can kind of be a shelter from all that when we come in it should be anyways when we come here with like-minded individuals Okay, and we're helping each other spiritually. Okay, we can get away at least for an hour or two away from all the the drama and the chatter that go that we have to face every day. That's out in the world. Okay, but we're here on Sunday, and there's classes that go on during the week. In uh, some churches, they have a midweek service, so we're with faithful people but I gave an example one time when I was teaching there in San Diego where there were a lot of military people several military bases in San Diego a lot of people in the church there were military and I can remember <clears throat> when the Iraq war was going on. Families were getting 
separated because either, and there were, there were women in the service as well. I mean, there were women going off to war. There were men going off to war, leaving spouses, leaving children. And when you're in a war zone, if you're out in the field, <laughs> there might not be a church out there. There's probably there's not going to be a church out there. Even in the area, there might not be a church per se as we know it. There might be some kind of ecumenical thing going on, you know. But if you're out in the field under gunfire, okay, <laughs> I mean, a church there, you might not even have a Bible. And I, and, I, and I think that when the scripture is talking about writing these precepts on your heart, he's talking about that. When you can recall those things, when you understand those things, when you're not alone. And you develop those things, I think, through private, personal devotion, one-on-one -on -one with God. Okay? So you're looking for that peace and stability that that gives you. There's pitfalls that, that, that haunt us, uh, things that we have to be careful about every day, okay? But God's scripture keeps us spiritually safe and stable. Um, a couple of the references I had for that was Philippians 4, 6, where it says, Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God, and the peace of God will surpass, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus Christ. And then in Psalms 119, 105, keep your word is my lamp to my feet and light to my path. So, I've been telling you, we need to think about having personal time with God. We can do this every day. You know, people say, well, we're here on Sunday and then we go on in our week. What do we do during our week? Okay. You can do this every day. And I'm sure some of you guys do. I'm not saying that you don't. But in general, we can do this every day. Um, but how do you go about doing? Um, sometimes, well, should I do it this way? Or how do I do this? Am I doing it right? You know. Um, first, you want to find the right time and the right place to do it time, like I mentioned, Jesus rose in the morning. He went out and prayed all night. Um, so, later on at night, early in the morning, it's not a big deal. Okay? Just the important thing is it should be uh, kind of silent, calm, tranquil, and free from distractions. Okay? If you, got, if you have kids, you know, you don't want your kids running around and climbing all over you and distracting you and, you know, you don't want to do it where uh, you got music blasting or... Although, once you get used to doing it, you know, I think 
you know, you develop your sense of, you know, doing this thing and being close to God. I think you can be in a crowd of people and just shut things out and do. I think you'd be able to do it. But at first, and, for, and, and, and when you're doing it every day, you want to find a place that's yours. For instance, go into your closet and close the door. You want to find a place that's yours. Outside, indoors, okay? Um, <clears throat> Jesus saw it, like I said, Jesus saw it outside places. Uh, and he taught about going into your room, so it's not a big deal that way. It has to be secluded and quiet and be consistent about it. Okay? So, once you find that secluded, quiet place, are you there, you have your Bible, or your iPad, or your phone, whatever, what are you going to do? How do you go? What are you going to do then? Um, well, it's a time to engage in prayer. You can engage in meditation. You can engage in praise. Um, you can pray. You can thank God for our blessings, for your blessings. Okay. Um, Colossians 4.2, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Confession of sins. First John 1 John 1.9 If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to give us, forgive us for our sins and to cleanse us of all, of all our unrighteousness. And it's a good time to confess your sins to God. I know we have guys given the lesson and most every congregation I've been to you know at the conclusion of the lesson there's you know an offer to people who aren't Christian they might want to become Christian but there's also an offer to people who might not have been living the way they really want to live and the way they should be living maybe come up and confess your sins and you might not want to do that in front of everybody, okay? But when you're doing your devotional time, it's between you and God. And you can do it with that. You can clear your conscience, you can pray, you can ask for forgiveness. You can do that every day, okay? And that's when you come on Sunday and we're involved in the Lord's Supper and we read scripture like, you know, have you uh, searched your heart? you have because you're in the habit of doing it you can also intercede on the behalf of others this is kind of a, unless you unless you write things down or you keep like you put them in your your phone like a notepad in your phone you write things down in a notebook sometimes when things are said well this person needs prayer or that person needs prayer sometimes you might forget about it okay and if we're not really praying during the week we're not praying, even if we remember it we're not praying for that person anyways but we're supposed to be doing that, praying for people who need God's help who ask for prayers you can incorporate this into your daily devotion, your daily quiet time, intercede on the behalf of others 
and meditation. Uh, meditating on the Lord. Um, I a scripture here, Psalm 63, 6. When I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. Um, meditation means different things to different people, but how I see that is thinking about God, thinking about maybe a scripture, what it means, what it means to you, how can you apply it in your life. Okay. You can meditate on God's works. Um, Psalm 77, 12, I will, I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. Um, in Psalms, David writes about God's creative work, you know, um, just the natural world that God creates. But he also talks about God's uh, redemptive power, his redemptive work. So we can meditate on those things. Um, and just in general, meditate on God's word and all things that are good to think about uh, and things that are praiseworthy. So you get prayer, meditation, praise. Uh, praise is a natural response to joy in our heart, basically. So, um, you can read a psalm. I mean, we're instructed in, in the New Testament to to share psalms and hymns, spiritual psalms. You can do that. Um, I think I remember a lesson a while back where I mean, Josh or Richard, I'm not sure, but I think they mentioned something about maybe having a hymn, your hymn book, and just kind of singing to yourself. You can do that. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you guys didn't say that. I don't know. I remember that. But you have a hymn book and sing to yourself or, you know, or just sing out loud. You're by yourself. Nobody else is around. Okay? And ponder on the words. Making melody in your heart. Okay. And then to wrap things up, if both David, who God called a man after his own heart, and Jesus, who's the son of God, both of them spent time alone with God, went out of their way to be alone with God. Despite other responsibilities, David was a king. Okay, he had a lot of other responsibilities. Jesus was the Son of God, who was sent to earth to seek and to save the lost. Um, Jesus, if you think about this, it didn't come on the scene until he was around 30 years old. And had a short but effective ministry. For most of his time, he was spent preparing himself to do what he needed to do, alone with God, learning from others. Okay? And then he came to do what he, God had in plan for him. And even then, he went out of his way to spend time alone with God. So both David and Jesus 
thought this was important and knew this was important. It has to be important. How much more important is this for us? So I would just encourage you to kind of think about that. Try to find that that place, that time, whatever uh, you think is going to be useful to you. And I'm hoping that maybe my words were helpful and edifying to you this morning and encourage you to do something like that.